You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. If you enjoy our podcast, please share the link and give us a review. Today, the subject is In the Trenches. In our last podcast with Christy Bartlett, Director of Strength at North Carolina State University, I learned that a number of strength coaches out there at major universities don't even lift. I guess I never really thought about it, but was kind of shocked. Um, Does that mean they did lift, but don't lift now? Did they ever lift? Should they lift? Do they or did they ever have a passion for lifting? If not, I believe this is a disservice to our young athletes and those financially responsible for their tuition. In a world of manufactured talent where everything is so corporate, so ingenuine, shouldn't those appointed to be leaders in our athletic departments have a true passion for what they do and not just hold a title? There's a saying I put up on the Iron Company website years ago that says, passion is the difference between just being good and becoming our best. I'm a big believer in having passion for what you do in life. And I'm certain that whatever you do, whether you're a coach, you sell gym equipment, you're a first responder or whatever, it's that passion that makes you stand out and rise above everyone else. So guys, What are we referring to when we talk about passion? What are some personal examples that we can give to define what we mean by that and why it's so important? Yeah, I mean, I think passion for anything is a true love for something that you can't do without, you know, Yeah. Uh, where you get so deep into it that you'll always make time for it. You, you always, um, you, you, when you have a passion for something, you wonder why everybody else isn't like that. And it can be anything like Marty and I can't understand why you don't read JP. We're like, Oh my God, because reading besides lifting and hunting is my favorite thing. You know what I mean? Um, I it's, it's a need to do these, to do these things. Uh, and, and it can be anything, but you know, I, I just have a problem with sort of like a false passion. So my big thing when, when, I was coaching. I hated certain expressions, 24 seven, you know, 365, all this stuff. And I hated the expression grinding. Like, oh man, I can't wait to, to, you know, get in the office as a strength coach and grind. If it's a grind, it's not a passion. I never thought I was working. (laughs) It's not work. This is what I love to do. It never seems tedious or like work when you have passion for something. What do you think, Marty? Keep going, Jim. I love it. No, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's just what I, you know. I can tell. You know, and it goes to what, it's the same thing as the one set all out. Either do it all out with everything you have and a love for it, or don't do it at all. I never can understand that, you know, never. I don't know if that's a personality thing or what, but everybody seems, not everybody, but there's a lot of folks out there who do everything at around a seven out of 10 or a six out of 10. You right. know what I mean? Like, what do you have in your life that you're 10 out of 10 in? Not necessarily always completing the task uh, correctly or anything, but a 10 out of 10 as far as love and, and passion for it. Well, I think coming at it from a different direction, there are a huge number of people who have no passions in life. Right. Imagine and that. I want, and I wonder if that's because they don't care or they just haven't found it. Well. Maybe both. Um, I I run into a lot of that in my business. And, um, you know, I'll be honest, I have a tough time. 
I have to do so many follow-ups and, you know, uh, we get information on products. You know, I sell a lot of different brands of anything from strength equipment to rubber flooring. I'm just floored at the lack of information or caring or whatever. I have to like uh, really like pull teeth to get information on these products from these manufacturers. Some of them, not all of them, whoever's listening, not, I don't mean everybody, <laughs> but some of this stuff uh, it's like, come on, man. It's, and it's like, if you look at our website, I've got more details on products than anybody that you've ever seen. I think, because I got a passion for it. <laughs> I know the questions that people are going to have about this stuff, whether it's how to use it or what it's made from or what the tensile strength is and all that. It's because I care. It's because I lift with the stuff. I use it. A lot of, a lot of these manufacturers don't even use it, have no idea, know where they know where it comes from, how it's manufactured. That's the end of it. You got to be able to describe what this stuff is like. And I think if you don't have passion as a coach, especially a strength coach at a, a major university, it's like, I mean, Jim, I mean, you used to lift side by side with these kids. I mean, you and Christy over there and you, you were actually a competitive power lifter and bodybuilder while you were at the university of uh, Pennsylvania. Right. I mean, these, these kids saw you doing this, saw you in action, saw you changing your body, getting stronger. I believe there was probably uh, you, you commanded a lot of respect around that place from those kids. And they really looked up to you for, for that. Cause they wasn't something you were just telling them. They actually saw you doing it. I mean, I, I think, and Marty, I don't, Marty, you remember the author Roy Blunt jr. Um, no. Anyway, he, he wrote a book called three bricks shy of a load, <laughs> which seems like a lot of us. Oh, uh, T-shirt Steelers, right? That yes. Yes. <laughs> And it was like the 71 Steelers, okay? Mm -hmm. And he's an excellent writer, and he, he spent the year inside the Steelers, and Bradshaw was a young quarterback, and Joe Green was like a second-year guy. Anyway, um, the one guy was, in, was, was talking to Roy Blunt, uh, one of the defensive linemen. Hanneman was his name, I think. And he said, you know why I like Chuck Knoll? You know why I respect Chuck Knoll? Because it's raining, it's snowing, and, and they didn't have inside facilities back then. And we're stretching, and he gets down in the mud just with us. Every single day, he never asks us to do something, you know, that he hasn't done or will or would do. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what the guys were saying. You know, he's out there doing stuff that we're doing, not complaining, just getting it done every day. And I think, you know, as an athlete, as a lifter, you know, I mean, I'm sure part of the reason that those guys in the basement were in awe of, of uh, Hugh Cassidy is because he's a freaking world champ, you know, Um and right away, when Hugh says something, it means more, right? Because they know oh, yeah. he has the, the application or the uh, experience to back it up. He's got the street cred. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the body. You don't, yeah. you don't get to be a world champion and, you know, look like, uh, oh, uh, Barney Fife. Yeah. Can, guys, can you get to that level? and not have that deep passion that we all talk about. No. What do you no. think, Marty? I, I, no. I guess, I, I guess if you're, you know, one in a thousand, about hundred thousand genetic wonders, but even those right. guys, by the time they get to college, they, they fritter out They're They're not going to make it to the pro level because the pro level, for one thing, the game is so 
complicated in this day and age that, you know, you can't be a dummy and play professional sports anymore. The, uh, the strategies that they use are so complex and, and they have to be, and they'll change in an instant, right? Call, call an audible, call something in live, and you've got to be able to, to act in time. It's no longer enough just to be, have a great body. Yeah. You're right. Um, I think, um, and we can all attest to this. I mean, yeah, back in our day and certainly Marty's day, you know, you went out there and played sports. Um, I think, you know, it was, it was very competitive, but I don't think it's anything like it is today in high school and college. I mean, everything is just so dialed in and so competitive and they start at such young ages. And I think without that, passion that fuels you and drives you forward i think you just get burned out like you said uh and i think you're not gonna be, be you know you get burned out and you just don't have the motivation if, without that passion to to keep going forward and do and put all that work in i mean that's a lot of work to especially to become a professional athlete i mean look at all the work these guys put in you got to have the passion you gotta have the genetics you gotta have the work ethic you 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 can't be missing any one thing and get to that level right you gotta have it all anybody's debating that yeah yeah i mean you know the the let's let's compare lifting to let's say football there are coaches in football like bill belichick i think i don't even think he i know he didn't play in college i don't think and uh Anyway, who are successful, but they're usually mentor under, uh, under somebody like a Bill Parcells, uh, like he did, uh, like Belichick did or something. They're, they're, you know, because of what Marty just said about the intricacies of the game, there are those smart, you know, nerdy guys who have sort of get in. They sneak their way into the game by being those kind of guys, film breakdown and stuff. But as far as lifting, man, I don't know if you can you can train somebody to squat, you know, a thousand pounds if you ain't even been had seven, 800 on your back. You know what I mean? Like it could Marty have coached Kirk to a thousand if he wasn't a lifter and, and knew what, you know, six fifty for 10 felt like, you know what I mean? Something like that. It's just lifting's different, man. Well, um, in a perfect, perfect world, you want to have a smart coach. He's also got athletic credentials, right? Right. You don't want to have, just the guy who talks the talk because that's reflective knowledge, not direct knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I was never a, a, a world open champion, but I was an IPF world masters champion. Multiple times. And I won six, six or five national masters titles in three different weight classes. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, I had this, trained smarter because I didn't have the body. I was, you know, again, as the old saying goes, three types of lifters, right, Jim? Yes. Looks like Tarzan, lifts like Jane, right? Looks like Jane, lifts like Tarzan. Looks like Tarzan, lifts like Tarzan. I was the looks looks like Jane, lifts like Tarzan guy. There you go. Yeah, good leverages. Uh, no, I didn't. I had terrible. <laughs> I was all, but I had to be smarter. I had to be wilier. You know, I was never, you know what I mean? Uh, I didn't have the body. I, I mean, these guys, are, some of these guys are just, well, JP, you have that, 
that type of physique. If you had gotten into powerlifting, you had a perfect, perfect bone structure to get into a, a leverage sport, you know? I don't know. I think you give my genetics a little bit more uh, credit than. Well, let's ask should. Jim. He's got eyes. Jim, what do you think? Well, yeah, definitely the 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 width. Oh my he has thick bones, a lot of width, and <laughs> definitely, you know, dead, uh, talking, deadlift may be a problem, but the squat and bench. I'm talking 375 pound body weight. Oh yeah, man, come on. <laughs> Six hundred right. pound bench. Oh, oh, oh that's oh, right. You, God. you guys, if you had your way, if if you were able to Frankenstein me, yeah. uh, you'd have that's me up right. to four hundred pounds in no time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you only got to be there good. for a little while. You, you only got to be, be there, there for a little, for a little while. while. Yeah. And, you, and you do it in your twenties, okay? And you become legend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. And that's that's the passion. You want to talk passion? Talk about that. Talk about Kowalski pushing himself up. Was, oh, Kirk, he was such a genetic wonder. He was a genetic wonder for squatting, but he sure as hell wasn't for bench pressing or deadlifting. Right. Yeah. And so what does that mean? Well, he could have continued to play to his strengths. Right. But now what he did is he attacked his weaknesses and he eventually benched 600 and deadlifted 800 for three, no straps and eight and a quarter for one. He couldn't replicate that mm. in competition because after squatting the thousand, it just knocked the hell out of his deadlift. I think sometimes you look at these guys too with these great physiques or you know these massively strong guys, and you go, "Oh man, that guy's got killer genetics." Not always. I think some of these guys that you look at uh, might be bigger, might be stronger because they tried harder. They used what they had to, to work with and they tried harder and they were more disciplined and they, you know, they had harder work ethic and, and all that stuff. So I don't think it always depends a hundred percent on having superior genetics. That certainly helps. But because uh, I, I certainly didn't, you know, I started, I started out, I was a hundred and when did I start out? Like uh, age 14, lived on a farm, built a bench press out of two by fours, got a uh, billard barbell, an old weight set and did that. I started when I was about 14 and I was about 140 pounds and I more than doubled my body weight at one time, which, you know, was was, was probably too much, but I mean, even at, when I was, I was probably 25 at my, at my peak, I was 290 and I had striations in my quads and my triceps and, you know, but I wasn't cause I had uh, genetics uh, necessarily that were superior yeah, to everybody else. Yeah, I just did. busted you out. Good, yeah. Well that you combined that. So you wouldn't have known if you had any genetics, right? If you didn't start eating and lifting. But once you start eating and lifting, it became more apparent and you were maturing at the same time. I'm so you could take somebody who's a true ectomorph and do exactly what you did and, and they wouldn't have doubled their body weight. You know hey, what I'm saying? Ha yes. Have you ever thought about this, Jim and Marty? Um, imagine how many world-class physiques out there are out there that would that'll never be realized because they never tried or they never got into weightlifting or sports or whatever. You know, yeah, I mean, Marty, didn't you say Ronnie Coleman played Ronnie Coleman played college football, right? Yeah. 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 He was playing college. He's a D1 athlete. As soon as he gets out, uh, you know, they're like, oh, you got to do a powerlifting meet. He pulls like 775. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, did, if you just stomp him, you say, oh, he's going to be Mr. Olympia. But then when you added uh, the dedication and all that, it became, yeah. you know. And there's a lot of guys like that, man. Look yeah. at, look at, think about our great football players, LT. Think about, uh, yeah. you know, all these guys, the JJ Watts and all that. They're freaks of the world. Yes. Right. They're freaks right. of the world. And that's because, and, and uh, again, the money, the money attracts the best. The yeah. best money attracts the best. Yeah. Period. And again, you got to remember, athletics, you get to be a specialist. Right? right? That's so different than the military archetype where they have to be a, the opposite, a generalist, I guess. And in, in, in athletics, I'm a defensive back. Right? So you get to concentrate in the skill sets you know, needed to be a great defensive back. Whereas in the military, they might have to work on 20 different, stay up, up on 20 separate and distinct skills unrelated, jumping yeah. out of an airplane, fighting on the ground, which is different than fighting with a weapon in your hand, which is different than pistol shooting, which is different than underwater submersible, which is different than, you know what I mean? on and on it goes for them whereas the athlete can just specialize and this 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 narrows it narrows the scope and i think it makes for a disproportionality i think in the end the military archetype is better you train for a more well-rounded you're not uh, the bodybuilder physique has, or or a, or a massive powerlifter physique has very little purpose in regular real life. world application. <laughs> or just walk or just walking around. Uh, yeah. JP, how did you feel when you were two ninety compared to now? Well, you know, it's uh, it, when you're younger, it's it's easier to carry around. But I noticed as I got older, it's like you know, you get up off the couch and you're going, whoa. I feel like I've got a, a bar on my back. You know, it starts getting a little heavy you, you, and you get you, sluggish. You do. You do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, you, I definitely now you, feel better you took, now. Uh, you took how many pounds out of your backpack? Uh, 30 at least, yeah. 30 pounds out of your backpack, right? That you have yeah. to carry every step you take, every move, every everything. Yeah. That's a big deal. Pick up a, pick up a quarter and a five. You know, and and also keep in mind that body weight is voluminous. It's not dense like iron. Yeah. So when you take 30 pounds off of a person, that's a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Particularly well, if you're wise about it and melt the fat and retain the muscle. Yeah. Which is the that's the holy grail, right? Anybody can lose body weight. You just starve yourself. Right. There's no there's no art and science to that. And the art and science and that's what they do. Like if God forbid you're a clinically obese person, you end, end up in the clutches of you know the medical establishment where they put you on an exercise bike and have you pedal at a moderate intensity for I don't know, four hours a day and 30 minute burst. And in between they feed you 800 calories. Oh, but they're all insulin spiking carbs. 
and you're miserable yeah. and you will yeah. lose body weight, but you lose as much muscle or maybe yeah. more muscle than you do body fat. Yeah. So in the end, you create a miniaturized version of your old fat self. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Skinny fat. And that's, that's starvation. That's what they do in concentration camp. Yeah. What they yeah. do in a concentration camp, they overwork the inmates and then they starve them. Yeah. What do they end up looking like? They're emaciated, scrawny, sickly, right? And that's what so much is recommended in the mainstream. Oh, they might dress up their, their 800 calories, but it's 800 calories. And you, you can't do that, right? You have to live. You, you have what, Jim? I mean, how many calories did you go to at your lowest? Uh, and you're well, in starvation mode. And, and, a little while. Well, you got to include your MCT calories. So you always right. Well, that made all the difference. Out. That's well, right. How that many, made all the difference. Calories a calorie. How many calories at your You lowest? figured it. I think you figured it out. And it, it came out to like 1,800 to 2,000. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 1,800 yeah. or 2,000. Yeah. And you were starving to death on that. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. 2,000 calories a day. Triple, right? So anyway, uh, I don't want to stray too far. But, you know, getting back to the larger topic. Uh, again, I think that so much you want to talk about passion. Well, I think that passion is also tied to results. Yeah. No matter what the, no matter what the, whatever. No matter how path. much you love it, if you're not getting results, you're not no. going to stick around for very long. How, how, how are you going to be passionate about something that right. you don't progress in? You're just beating your head against right. the wall. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Wilde said the uh, purpose of life is self-improvement. Love mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's all you need to do. Self-improvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and but, but by improving, if you actually improve, that's tangible results. That fires you up. There's your passion right there. Passion is a result mm -hmm. of success. That throws new fuel on the fire. Yeah fires you up, moves you ahead, and you recommit and commit deeper, you commit harder. But again, no results. You know what? I quit. Right yeah, and why wouldn't some you? Point. And why wouldn't point. Yeah. Oh, so we've got a lot of willpower. Well, it took me three years before I quit <laughs> Nautilus. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a smart person can only last six weeks. I quit after six weeks. Well, you were the smart one. I had a guy email me the other day saying, when, you know, you, Marty, you started talking about walking, having, having overweight yes. people walking. Yes. If you do five minutes the first day, that's it. Five minutes yes. and up and back five minutes. Yeah. You time it the next, you know, you may do five minutes for two, three days, then you go to six minutes and you try yes. to you know, set a new time or that. set a new five minute time. And yes. he was saying, man, how you guys were talking about constantly changing the variables Yes, to show success every day so that way you can like you may not be able to walk as far every day but you could do you know something else to change it or, or as fast every day but you do something that's else the to whole, change it. that's the whole thing because you have all these different personal records right. all these different categories and you know what today i don't feel like doing a single rep in the squat i feel like doing eights Right. In the front squat. Well, you do that. But let's find out what your 
personal record is eight yeah. in the front squat. Oh, at 205, it's seven. All right, well, you're fired up for front squats. Let's go for eight. Yeah. Right. Go where your passion is. Don't be regimented. Oh, today I must do this because that's what the schedule says. Well, maybe you don't quite feel like that, but you're fired up. I'd rather bench press. Well, bench. Yeah. And bench, Marty, one go thing. There, and that's when you'll have those transcendental training sessions. Yeah, that's right. And one thing you're always quick to point out, too, and I totally agree with is, you know, is that for us guys that are getting a little bit older, have been doing this for a while, we're very in tune with our bodies, our strengths, our peaks, our maximums, all that, because we've been doing this since we were early teens. We know what our genetics and, and bodies were capable of. Didn't you, um, tell me you log, didn't you tell me you logged every workout? Every I can go back to probably the nineties, but well, the, then the, you have then if you log every workout, you have personal records. Yes, but what I'm my point is, and you're always pointing it out, and I agree with it, is that um, you got to be careful not to compare your current self with your former self from like especially <laughs> twenty years ago. You know, oh, I was squatting five hundred pounds twenty years ago. No, you can't. You just have to come to the realization that. Um, that ain't going to happen. And you ain't, you ain't, you ain't him anymore. And nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Can we say nobody, no, nobody cares, cares. <laughs> right? So don't, no don't go in the gym thinking everybody cares no, well, and no, they don't. break they don't. your leg, bust your no. back. And, no. and, you know, your wife doesn't care. Your kids don't care. Your uncle doesn't. No one cares. They don't care. It's only the, <laughs> the voice in your head that cares, yeah. but uh, yeah. Sometimes exactly. you got to shut that person up and go, look, let's be realistic. I'm over 50 now or whatever. Uh, I just want to be able to move around and have a, a, you know, be functional and, and be able to tie my shoes, <laughs> you know, whatever. In Zen Buddhism, they have a saying, it, it, saying uh, if you meet the Buddha in the road, kill him. <laughs> and that's what that means. If, you know, when you come up against your, what your, your former self orthodoxies you're you know it don't just let them go no one cares no one's watching yeah you and know. i'm not saying don't get fired up and don't go in and give 102 percent no. but realize you're at a different spot now you're at a different time your body has go against, aged go against and, your go against your recent pr yeah yeah what you did two weeks ago last week a month or your ago, training cycle you know, you know, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Recent PR. What's your recent PR? You could try to improve upon what you were last week. That's right. Fires yeah. me up. Tell you what. And I like the I like the time thing. Like I'll say, okay, I got to do fifteen sets in twenty minutes, which means my ah. rest period is going to be super short. Ah. And uh, you know, or and next time I I got to put another set in there, or I got to do you know add time to track time. Even at, you know there's. Life is a, is is searching for PRs. Life is competitive. Life is is where where you're inspired. So you know you have to always sort of challenge yourself. However, as you as you get older and as you become one with the weights, training doesn't. It's not a PR thing all the time. It's more like this is a this is therapy, man. 
This is struggle <laughs> that I'm putting in my life on purpose. Right. I love this struggle. And I'm the rest of the day, I ain't struggling with shit. You know, I'm going to be, you know, doing well, things for my kids or I'm going to be writing with it's, it's not the same type of struggle that that struggle you put in your life on purpose to make you more whole. It, it becomes that way when, when you get a little older. Um, yeah, I think I think training becomes more more fun too because you're less regimented. Like you're how'd not. You like that, Marty? How'd you like that, Marty? That's some Zen stuff. Right? I, I, I think. Seriously. I you think mentally you accept. I, Jim, I think mentally you accept going in and doing what you did. Just, it, just changing it up and staying in there for 15 minutes is how many sets you can do. Back in the day, I wouldn't have ever done that because it was like, <laughs> no, I had to hit PRs. I had to do all this. I had to be on this set schedule, set reps, set sets. Um, now you come in and it's like, I, I don't care. I just want to do what I like to do. I like to come in and kick ass and get a pump, get, you know, do as best, do as well as I can for my current state of physical fitness and, you know, try leave to and leave. And leave. What's a t-shirt say, Jim? Squad and leave. That's it, brother. There, there's a lot yeah. of uh, Menster talked about this before he went a little crazy. People have like a uh, anxiety if they leave the gym without spending all this time in there. They their whole identity really? is is in the gym, man. I, I mean, I love going oh. to the gym. I love training and all that, but I want to get at, oh, in and yeah. out, man. Because I think that's my personality too. Because it's just like 100 or nothing. Pick one exercise and work it to death. That kind of thing, and get yeah. get out. Yeah. I think those are the people that have the names, their the names on the back of their lifting belt. Yeah, that's right. And a title. <laughs> WNPF uh, champion. Yeah. No, I never had any problem. I, I like um, just, you know, I like to superset. So I'll go in. If I'm going to do squats i might as well do something while i'm standing around right so why not do some leg curls and some calf raises if i'm gonna do overhead presses why not do some pull downs right yeah, yeah. If i'm gonna do curls i'm gonna do some triceps so it's, it's usually two sometimes i'll leave it at that i'll just go one two four five sets 15 minutes i'm done and and i have i mean i've given a hundred percent i mean there's nothing left I've repped out my top set. I have done. And that's all you can do. If you push your reps to the point, you can't do another rep. Well, guess what? You've just given a hundred percent that day and you don't have to eat a rep in order to know that just that's know right. that you did not have that next rep in you. Then yeah. you've given a hundred or maybe 102%. Who knows? But you've certainly given a hundred percent because you got nothing left. Yeah. And it doesn't matter the relative poundage. Maybe it's only 85 pounds because you're having an off day, but you've given hundred percent of 85, you know, of right. your right. diminished capacity. If you give hundred percent of a diminished capacity, that's still hundred percent. You've done everything you can do. Yeah. For that day. No question. Some that say some days we have what star you Bill star used to call them triple high days. Cause he was at, what was it? They used to be with it. They had the three factors that would go in parallel bio something anyway. Uh, if you have a triple high day, well, those are the days that everything feels light in your hands, right? And that's your days you crush your PRs. And they're kind of 
faults. Those are kind of false days because then after that, you're kind of chasing them. But yeah. man, for whatever reason, on that day, on that time, he was just like, you were on and, you know, you did whatever, 315 for seven. And now you can only do it for four. All right. And Isn't that funny it, how that happens, though? Yeah, it's, just, it's, just, it's like the it's stars align. Like, I don't know. Man, I have, just, man, I have been hungover. I've been, I've been hungover on three hours of sleep and had one of those days. And yeah. I've had so many days where I ate great, went to bed early, had yep. the bit, and had a crappy yep. day. Yeah. That's right. And you're just like, what? What? Where? You want to talk to the lifting gods and find out what's going on? You know? Yeah. I don't know if the focus uh... is that much better. <laughs> You know, is it, is it your focus is that much better? Because you you say, man, well, I screwed up with everything else. I got to really focus today. But, it, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and those are those those days that you look back on and, and they don't happen very often. So the other days are just you're working, man. You're just working. It's fun. You know, you get on your you're deadlift and, and on one of those high, high days, it's like, man, that was heavy last week. And it flew. You know? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And you just go in your head, you go, all right, we're going to keep going. Yeah, yeah, we're pushing it today. We're pushing it today. And you and you make yeah. the announcement. All right, man, I feel great yeah. today. Yeah. 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 It's very yeah. tempting to just keep going, right? But no, you there's just no gotta... tempting to it. I do it. Yeah, I just, I just keep getting <laughs> If it. I'm yeah, having it on day, I'm going, baby. I'm, yeah. Let's go. Boom. I remember one yeah. to double 700. Uh, that was like a big goal for me on the squat when I was living in South Carolina. And I think the week before I had done how, how old were you, Jimmy, what were you what were you 13 at the time? No, 30. I was like 30. And uh <laughs> maybe a little older, 33, 34. And the week before I had done like 650 for two. But right. I felt so good. Two. That's a long the, way from 700 for two. I know for two. So <laughs> yeah, and then I just so, oh, felt wow. so great. I had one of those days and I hit the 700 for two after you know, oh, no. never getting up there. Yeah. Uh, what did you weigh? Well, what did you weigh at the time you did that? 312. 312. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 312. I, I got a picture of you at 312. You're, you're tall, right? You're what? Six, six, four? You're what, six, what eight you and a half or something? <laughs> I was five, nine. Now I'm like five, eight. Seriously. <laughs> I was six foot one. Well, in I'm day. sure it was a spelt 312. Oh no, man! My blood pressure was crazy. My, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, run when I could walk. I didn't what, walk when I could, what, could cross. Yeah, it couldn't. You couldn't sit up when you could lie down. Now, what would you tell? Walk us through a day's eating in order eight, to keep eight tuna that fish sandwiches, on. eight tuna fish sandwiches, white bread, mayo, uh -huh. uh, and I think I, there are probably half a can on each, maybe more. Yeah, each. I would hope. Yeah. Um, like, wait a milk. minute, half a can. That's only like uh, okay, a can. 17 grams of protein. Shame on you. talking about. A can per, so, right? Yeah. I would probably put a so. small can or half of those big, big, huge cans on there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I eat a lot of chicken and rice uh, and yes. potatoes. And yep. uh, I'd mix all that up with chicken soup and eat that. I was Are like, you doing... Uh, you know, like sweets and pizza and beer, any yeah, kind of alcohol. calories, or you yeah. definitely beer. beer, definitely beer. I can't remember a time when there was, except for bodybuilding shows, it wasn't a few right. beers. Right. Um, Boy, I mean, you're trying to keep your weight up to 312. You're probably yeah. hoovering in everything in sight. 
Yeah, I didn't, I'm also, not a big lady, people, Ladies like, and like, gentlemen, we're not recommending this, but this is what no. he was doing in order to maximize his leverages. Yeah. Because he wanted to see what he was capable of as a power lifter. And at 5'9", 312, buddy, you should have been pretty good. You should have been pretty, pretty thick, right? Yeah, I was thick, all right. The, uh, yeah. You know, once I got to that three, you know, I was there for a little while. I What I wanted to do is I wanted to set the South Carolina State squat record at 804 in a super heavy and i missed it i got 775 or 755 and then what's funny is that when i got a lot smarter with nutrition and just trained longer heavier longer i ended up squatting 820 at 268 mm. yeah i was actually right. stronger when i was smarter you know right. yeah but, uh, yeah you gotta eat a lot and i went from 240 to 280 in three months three and a half months just um, slamming calories. It's just calories, oh calories, God. calories. I was so man. miserable, dude. I mean, I didn't see my toes yeah. for a long time, yeah. man. But I get under that bar. Look, when you put on like a couple of pounds of body weight, okay. what was hard last week is lighter the next week, man. It's amazing. You have more leverage. You're just, yeah. you know, and then when you put on 40. That was, that was the whole Cassidy philosophy. Yeah. You your way through sticking points, right? Yeah. Every week. And he'd say to us, every week, a little bigger, a little stronger. Every week, a little bigger, a little stronger. Every week, a little bigger, a little stronger, right? You're, you're like force feeding like a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Triple X shirts, 46 waist. Cutting down on his activity as much as possible. Everything yeah. was single-minded, focused, narrow, 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 narrow vision focus. You, everything was centered around your two training sessions a week. Nothing else mattered. Well, except you had to eat to support the training because if you didn't, if you weren't slamming eight thousand calories a day, you weren't going to survive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you didn't drink a gallon of whole milk a day, you weren't serious. Mm. Now, Jim, uh, and, and our, our leaders were doing two gallons. George Hector was doing two gallons. He was you got to work up to this, dude. <laughs> yeah, two gallons of milk a day. And after a, a workout, he would eat an entire package of Oreo cookies. Nice. Yeah. And he no. trained by himself and he was doing crazy stuff like 775 for eight which converted into i saw him squat 950 for one at the potomac open it looked like paper mache it was incredible um, jim how long were you at 312 uh geez probably six six seven months something like that Did, okay I mean, I was, so that's that's a good amount yeah, of time. but i was 280 for a while i was you know 290 but for a while what what side effects what negative side effects did you have at 312 at 312? Oh, man. Yeah. You can't sleep because you got apnea. You got, um, I mean, you're, you know I, I literally did that for one purpose and did not care about one other thing. I just wanted to get that squat record. I got, I got apnea I too. I, I, didn't I, I didn't get the, the, the giant 312. You did, but I got it up to 305. And I'm six foot, but it wait, it's still way too heavy, way too heavy. And I'll tell you what, I would go to sleep at night and I would be dozing off and I would, all of a sudden just be gasping for air because my body would like forget to breathe. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know people like that. Yeah. And it did. And it didn't, it only happened when I was that heavy. When I lost the weight, uh, never had that. Again. So very, it's just a, it's just a sign. It's just proof that you're not supposed to be doing this. Your body's not made for all that weight. Uh, what a big guy. Uh, Mike Hall weighed what Marty? 400. 
four hundred. He's how he was how tall? Six three. Oh, okay. And listen to me, like, oh, okay, four hundred is okay. It's six three, but uh, there's been some huge dudes, man. That Mar in Marty's era, especially, um, yeah. that had tons of muscle, but you know they had some adipose tissue. But man, they were strong. A lot of those super mm -hmm. heavyweights, you know, were just these massive. They didn't look like Kaz, but they were, you know, thick and just huge dudes, man. Yeah. Well, I got the shock of my life when I went to my first national championships backstage with, uh, I was working with Mark and I walked backstage and all the super heavyweights were my height. I was 220, right? Yeah. And they were what? They were in the Three, up 320. Yeah. Doyle, Kennedy, who else? Paul Wren, who else? Oh, Doyle, Kennedy. Boss, who else? Yeah. Dave Whitley. I'm Dave, Dave Whitley. <laughs> Dave Waddington. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lee Moran. Lee was shorter, actually. Lee was actually more like Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Both. But yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not. I, I, there's no way. Um, you know, I'm going to have a good career, but I, I can't. There's no way I'm push, I can push my body weight to 300 and be competitive. You uh, got to what, Marty? 260? Yeah, 260, and I was dying. Uh, yeah. It just didn't work. And again, it, even at two, at my height, it was just like, yeah, no, nah, man. Kirk, Kirk was the prototypical 275er. When Doug Furness was my height, but he was ripped. <laughs> Super know? wide, too, right? No, he, had he had a weird physique. He had a very strange, Doug had a strange physique. Um, but he had a very low body fat. Yeah. So I don't know what he would weigh. He would have had to weigh close to 300 to be in the condition he was in at 275. He had veins on his deltoids and, you know, no. abs, you know, three three rows of abs. And yeah. his thighs were just like, you couldn't stop looking at him. And I'm like, <laughs> his legs are incredible. But he did look like it. Um, his upper body looked like a different person you know like kirk used to look that way too kirk he looked like uh, a smaller man on top of a bigger man's lower body <laughs> right but he corrected that he sure by really working yeah. on his his deadlifts built his back up 800 pounds for reps man monster back right yeah you're back oh, 600, 600 pound raw bench press oh i guess all of a sudden you got a lot more muscle than when you had a 420 bench. Yeah. And, uh, but the top guys in, in powerlifting have to have density in relation to their height. Right. You, you, they don't have any tall, thin champion powerlifters. Yeah. And they don't have any short squat professional basketball players. <laughs> yeah. Did, um, did many of these world champions go into coaching like you did, Marty? Uh, no, because there's no financial benefit to it. There's no, you know, it's not like being a football coach where, you know, at least you can like go coach a high school team and get a little remuneration. If you're a powerlifting coach, it's like, well, so what? That's great. Well, so, so why did you do it? I mean, it was just purely passion I'm, and I'm, you just loved it. Because I'm lighter because I'm, I'm a, you know, I, uh, I'm a coach and I'm, I've always been, but 
you know, it's a coach's coach, coach's yeah, coach. and teach. It's a um, Marty would have been a great professor or high school teacher, also, no matter what the subject, because mm. you talk about passion. Uh, having a passion to teach is very strong, man. When you have that passion, like you know, I, I have that. I grew up. My mom was an English teacher. My dad was a professor. And I don't know if it's just the influence of being around what them or genetics, but Jim, 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 what happened to you? Oh, that's what Stacy. That's very, very nice. That's <laughs> that's what Stacy. I mean, doing. look at these wonderful people. You, your mother, your mother's at school. Your father's a college professor, and yeah, and they produce and, and, you. And, and yes, oh and yes, and, and now you're hanging with us. And now I'm on a podcast. <laughs> you know, You've gone that. to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. yeah. What happened? <laughs> But it's a strong it passion to teach. I always knew I was going to coach. I couldn't picture myself doing anything else. I got done playing football. I just said, Coach, can I, can I volunteer? You know, and that's when I started because I had all this stuff inside me to, to, put, to put out there and help, help kids, you know. Uh, and when they oh. succeed, like that baseball player I was telling you all about, never done a power up to meet, and he set the New Jersey junior state record the other day at 628. Mm -hmm. I thought I told you guys about uh, his first meet ever. That felt just as good as winning the Ivy League championship three years in a row, you know, or, or mm -hmm. seeing, you know, training somebody to do anything else. This was a kid who just, you know, it just, it yeah. just, uh, it doesn't, it's not a validation. Life around. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what it did for you. You know what hey. it did for you. Hey, you know? Jim. It changes, it changes. Let me get a word in here, brother. Uh, it changes a person's self perspective when 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 you become tangibly when you transform yeah. you become measurably stronger measurably leaner measurably more muscular your self image changes yes you view yourself differently yeah Psych psychologically you have a shift in your personality <laughs> you are no longer that person you are this person and people so that's why these guys are well i would just say over the centuries i've been doing this i've transformed a lot of dudes yeah and it's not it's not just physical like you said it's just like you said it's so it's so mental in everything well, you if do. they have the motivation we got the system it really comes down to that it really doesn't matter who or what you are if you're motivated and you have the situation which is critically important yeah. Uh, then we have the system that, and again, it's not it's not a time intensive system, but it's intensive in terms of physicality. Uh, strength training aspect can be done one time a week, but there's a cardio element and there's a nutrition element, of course, and there's a psychological element, which is really what we're talking about. Well, if you can give somebody the gift of that uh, after workout glow, that's worth it in itself. Just yeah. that gift. Yes, just, yes, yes. That keeps them coming back for more. Yeah. Just have hey, Jim. Anymore. Yeah, go ahead. Jim, the, 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 the proudest face I've ever seen on somebody is that picture. And you and I have talked about this. I'm sure Marty's probably seen this picture. Is uh, Hendo was competing and he was, <laughs> he was deadlifting. And you're in the background. You got this crazy smile on your face. And, you know, when you look at a picture, it just puts an instant thought of, what's going on in your head and in your own head. It's like, when I looked at this, I went, this guy's like the proudest father I've ever seen <laughs> watching Hendo doing this, this deadlift. Yeah. 
you're sitting there so proud. And I thought that's a, that's a good picture. Yeah. Cause all those guys pulled their last attempts out of their butts, man. They just, I'm like, you know, they, they go, they go up and wait that they've never done and they get it. And you're just like, you know, well, a, a, an elite guy like that. And I had the same capacity at the highest levels. You can will your body to do more than it's capable of. Yeah. 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 And you have to, sometimes it's a matter of life and death. Not necessarily on the platform, but out in the field. Like, wow. <laughs> well, you have to will your, your, your body through your mind to do stuff that is either you would think is impossible or what it's a matter of survival for, yeah. for these guys. Right. Know? Or is danger. Yeah. That's you right. know, getting through extreme cold or extreme firefighting situations or whatever you, you're doing. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Let me get your opinion. <clears throat> How many so-called professionals out there uh, with various titles and CEUs and all this other stuff can actually execute or, or, or coach a proper squat or deadlift technique? What's yeah. your opinion? There's a lot of, there's a lot of good coaches out there. I mean, a lot of stuff that we've, we use is the same as a lot of great guys do. The problem is, is, is there's just an influx of physical therapy people that came in at some mm -hmm. point. So, you know, usually the head guys and maybe their first assistant, all the football guys can usually, uh, you know, get after a pretty good. Uh, there are certain guys that more, more CrossFit kind of thing, but they can still do, you know, still do the teaching. It's, it's the, <laughs> the younger generation sort of, coming in that's more pt based and more not real world based and just in my in what i've observed you know and talked to people well gillingham was saying that he and marty went to a uh, i guess i don't know it was a workshop or a seminar or both or whatever yeah and you, you had all these younger people in there with uh you know <laughs> these credentials and those certifications and all that and gillingham said we were so amazed because they had all this but they they, they didn't know how to squat they didn't yeah. know how to deadlift and and there is that there is that and you know yeah. and you know, Brad could look at somebody. He, I mean, his whole life has been lifting for a long time and strongman stuff. And he, and he does he have a better eye than than ninety nine percent of the strength coaches? Yes, mm -hmm. like to say, hey, you know, you're you're move your right foot out a couple inches because Brad Gillingham has squatted, you know, fifty thousand times and deadlifted fifty thousand times and and all this stuff. So that specialty stuff, definitely, Brad would know would know more. You know, mm -hmm. but there is no excuse. Um, and, and the people that have gone on from my tutelage at Penn, I have, or wherever I was at different universities <clears throat> and high schools, um, I wanted them to be able to teach this stuff correctly and, you know, deep squats and all that stuff. And I, as soon as they get the job, I'm like, don't, don't assume that any of your coaches know what they're doing. Have a seminar where you have them teach it and you teach them Observe. the correct way if they're not, yeah. Right, you know, yeah. there's no question. Got it. Yeah. Done. It's very important. You know, my, my daughter is a uh, personal trainer and she's certified and all that, but hey, I said, listen, I, I was, I was going to comment. Would that be all right? Yeah. Yeah. Of Take course. Thank you. Let me know. And then I'll comment. It misses the larger point. And the larger point is there's no standardization as to what constitutes or an archetypical lift technique. Everyone has their own opinion 
as to what constitutes proper squat right. technique. Right. No one trumps anyone. Okay. If if credentials don't matter, then all systems are even. Right. Okay. And when all systems are even, it's technical anarchy. No, there's no standardization. You can't, it's not like if if they aren't teaching correct squat bench deadlift technique in as what we view as incorrect uh then lifting weights becomes injurious and dangerous and and some of it is bordering on uh, fitness malpractice yeah because you hurt people yeah Uh, with some of the techniques that are are being taught considering that you're under payload uh, it's it's uh, spine crushing, yes. body breaking stuff. I mean, how many times, Marty, have you coached somebody and they say, "Oh, squats hurt my fill in the blank," and then you yeah, teach like, them how to squat they, and they go, "Yeah, oh, I guess they would anymore." It, yeah, well, I guess it would using the technique that they're using, right? right? Yeah, it doesn't hurt anymore. And almost everybody teaches your first movement of the squat is to bend forward. Yeah. end up with the barbell in front of your knees and then we'll take it from there it's like oh my god <clears throat> right you know the spinal column is not meant to be a fishing pole you know Derek yeah yeah you know it's just like why would you do that but it's like whoa you know and they have all these incredible rationalizations same thing with the deadlift when they'll just jerk, jerk the bar right off the yeah. floor and the hips shoot up in the air and they the, yeah. Oh. And it's just like, wow, that's got to be rough on the spinal disc. And it's like all the personal trainers or the physical therapists, they're all like silent. And I'm going, am I the only one who sees this? This looks like it'd be a little rough on the back to deadlift like this. Right. And they're like, well, you know, there's a, you know, um, we, you don't want butt wink. <laughs> no, that's, the, that's what they say all the time. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe we won't do butt wing, but what, you know, do you really want to rip and tear on a maximum weight using that kind of a technique? I mean, that's just a, that's like a, a, a ticket to the emergency room eventually. Yeah, you only got so many and of those. Go, and, no one says, and no one says anything. And then I see other guys that are supposed to be world champions and they're like, yeah, everybody's a world champion. You know, the world champion of Dayton, the world champion of Columbus, Ohio, whatever. And they're teaching squat technique and they're squatting 10 inches high and no one notices. Right? Yeah. And they're just going on and they're giving some sort of an instructional video. My head is ready to explode. <laughs> you asked me, you, you, you kind of skipped over me in terms of what my thought was on the, my opinion was on this, this, idea that you have people out there who are disconnected from the reality of training mm-hmm. they're uh they're theoreticians but they're not practitioners and if you're divorced if if you're a theoretician and you're divorced from practice uh, your conclusions have to be flawed there's no way around it yeah I think that's in your next article, right? Uh, I don't know. 
I think that's an, it's almost an out. excerpt from your next article. Um, Good may may I bad. say something? Yes, go ahead. Of course. <laughs> uh, no, the point I was making about um, what we're talking about and, you know, when, when my, I've got a young daughter that's coming up and uh, she's certified personal trainer. I said, okay, cert certification's great. All that you, you've just started, but we're going to make sure that you have, you're taught by someone that, um, Oh, look, we have access to, to world champions that are our friends. Uh, I, I want you to take your certification and have them actually teach you how to squat and deadlift and overhead press and bench and all that. So that's what, um, you know, she's uh, been training with Gillingham for probably about six months. And I'll tell you what, it makes such a big difference. And the difference with her clients is like night and day. And I said, look, if you're going to be a, a personal trainer, be the best personal trainer, especially as a woman, get out there and just be um, the, 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 the best trainer you can get as much education as you can. So you can produce the best results. So you can outproduce all those, those different um, um, coaches and, and trainers in your area. I mean, so can I make a suggestion. Yeah. Have her compete. Oh, that'll add a whole new dimension to her coaching. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Now she just she did just uh, run a half marathon. She did that. And she trained you know, for powerlifting. Yeah, yeah. Powerlifting. She could do that. She she should. And actually, I think Brad's been why, telling why her to do she, that why, too. Why would why would she not? Because she's being schooled by world champion. It, it's the most natural thing in the world. It'd be a very easy thing for her. Yeah, tell her yeah. don't let don't let that pass her by because it's the only time in your life you're going to be trained by, you know, this guy. I know, I know. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And we talk about competing all the time because just it, it just makes you better. It, yeah, write the check, send it in. Your training. Just write the check and send it in. Just or pay online. Get yeah. Get, put out the money and and that gives you. I have to do it. I have and to free it now. and reassure her that no one cares. That's right. Right. You're up there. Nobody, half the people are looking at their phones and yep. nobody, that's right. Then you just Could do be. it for your self-improvement. That's, that's a great point. And I would, yeah. I mean, I would double encourage her, man. And, and just, yeah, man. you know, if she wears a belt, she wears a belt, but she doesn't have to oh, wear all man. that other crap. Just goes oh. up there in a singlet and does her thing, man. And she, and it's, there are a lot what more well-run now. They got a bunch of platforms, especially in yeah. Texas. It'll be good. Also a person only, thinks they're training hard and dieting hard until right. they put themselves on the spot and enter a competition. Right. And now all of a sudden it's three weeks out. You know, I mean, you really get yourself together. You really take yourself to a whole other level. Well, and you feel so you put alive. Yourself on the spot. Yeah. You put yeah, yourself so on alive, the spot. Man. Yeah. Most everybody I, I who agree. does it that, that, that I have, that I've introduced to, I mean, they become addicted to it. They do it all the time. I've got guys that I've introduced them to it 10 years ago. They're all fired up about going. There's like 11 of them going into a meeting in uh, April. Yeah. Now, right? can you elaborate on that a little bit? And I'll tell you why, because there was just a discussion on Facebook about 
hey, don't contact Marty Gallagher. He knows nothing about <laughs> training regular guys. And I actually had to put a comment in there. I was very respectful. And, you know, I figured maybe the guy didn't listen to the podcast, which he said he does. But uh, no, 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 he's right. I, I hate regular people. I try to avoid them. Well, sometimes we all do, but you know we're still stuck on this earth with regular people, so nothing we can do. For the past ten years, every Sunday I train regular people. It's sort of like a community give back for me. You know what I mean? I don't charge these guys anything; they're locals. But what I get from them is they are essentially sort of the lab rats, right, Jim? (laughs) Well, they do. They 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 use our system, and I'll make adjustments. Every one of them to me is a challenge to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I once walked through a, a gym with a very famous fitness guru. And it was his gym. And we walked through and I was losing my mind. I mean, there were some kids there that were doing some horrible squatting. And he just walked by and didn't even notice, right? And I was like... I. I couldn't pass it without going, whoa, stop. You know what I mean? And I think that's the difference between a coach and a theoretician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, he didn't even see it. To me, it was like fireworks going off, seeing these, these kids <laughs> right. doing these terrible squats. It was like I, I had to run over there and put the fire out. I thought, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, guys, wait, wait, wait. And, you know, these are like well-meaning 13, 14, 15-year-old guys. Yeah like a cool group of three or four of them, right? Oh, man, they're doing it all wrong. And man, like I said, he doesn't even see it. To me, it's like I'm a magnetized to it. It's like, okay, we got to straighten that out. But getting back to the bigger <laughs> point, no, we do every Sunday, we work with locals. And the whole game is we take elite methods and detune them and make them user-friendly for normal people. And the advantage is they're so time compressed is they come by Sunday for two hours. They're done strength training for the week. And they all improve to the point that they're, uh, I mean, they're all muscled off and they all are competitive lifters. And I mean, we have some damn good lifters and they range in age from, uh, we got a 14 year old baseball player all the way up to a 65 year old guy who's ranked like number three in the country in his weight class and age division. There's a lifter. Yeah. He's got like a 480 deadlift, you know, weighing, oh, I don't know, 160. Nice. Yeah. A 65-year-old dude, right? I mean, so, and the 14-year-old, um, he kicks ass too. And everybody in between. And they're all periodized. They all have a pre-planned target poundage and rep target for each of the four core four lifts we do overhead press first squat bench press finish with deadlift right they have a target set and rep for each of the top sets in each of those uh four lifts and again you know we're very tough on techniques so everybody's got to use those super strict ultra tight techniques which of course require the most struggle because they disadvantage we disadvantage the lifter right jim everybody else advantages the lifter yes you started out hard and then you make it easier yeah 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 yeah. like we build our squats from the bottom up right everyone else builds their squats from the top down 
and they never want to get below parallel because you have to release your hip joints. You have to go below parallel. You have to re-engage your hip joints. It's an entirely different lift than just going down to that, that strength point an inch or two above parallel. We don't have to release your hips and you can be strong as hell coming up from that mm. spot, but it's illegal. So <laughs> we take the opposite approach and go, no, 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 no. Let's go like we do goblet squat. When you do goblet squat, go all the way down, upright, upright. That's what we want. All legs. JP, you talked earlier about struggle. Everyone else tries to figure out ways to avoid struggle. They want to take the struggle out of resistance training. That's why they bend forward. That's why they use high hip start in the deadlift because they want to take the struggle out of it. We want to put the struggle into it because that's where the gains are, right? Fighting yeah. through the struggle. We, we, we seek it. Yes. We don't want to slip through the sticking point or avoid the sticking point or, you know, slide through the sticking point. No, we want to fight through it because that's where the adaptive response is. That's where the hypertrophy is. That's where all the good stuff is, right? We got Kirk back training with us now, and I'm looking at his technique, and he's like a he's like a piston, you know. I mean, he's so grooved in in his technique that, um, you know, it's just like a machine, mm -hmm. a flesh and blood machine. When he squats or deadlifts, it's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> but that's um, what I don't know what. 50, 50 years under his belt, I guess. Now. Well, let me see, he's 57. No, maybe not 50, 45 years, certainly. Yeah, yeah. it's deeply ingrained. So, yeah. the, so, yeah. so the regular guys you guys are training, you're using the same uh, techniques and tactics yeah. that you would use yeah. with the elites. You're not yeah, using just, a watered down version yeah. or anything like that. No. I was just thinking how I train, because the only elite lifter I train is Christy. Right. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, how I train them differently is Christy has enough confidence in, in making jumps um, that I know Christy can make, you know, 20 pound jump a week. If I have to do that with her, where these beginners are, you know, quote unquote, regular people who are uh, training their ass off. Also, they make smaller jumps until they gain some confidence. Um, the heavy work is just a, a little less as they're, you know, but the, you know, it's all intense. It's all, it's all uh, individual. I have one lady who's uh, in charge of ethics somewhere in the Pentagon or something like that. And she's super smart. And she's like, I want to be able to run a mile and such and such, but I also want to deadlift 450. Can you get me there? Four, she's a regular yeah. person, dude. And I'm like, hell yeah, we can get there. She just we said, love 450. That. What are you going to do? That? Take her up to 450, did you say? Yeah, she's around 375 right now. Holy uh, hell. What's her body weight and height? Uh, she's Ooh. like 5'5", five, five, 165, something like that. 5'6". Yeah. Oh, okay. man. Yeah. Okay, that's good. When she hits that, you got to have her on this podcast, Jim. Oh, yeah. Sarah would be great, man. She, she'd she, come you know, on. Yeah, she's great. We would love that. They're just, she's super dedicated. You know, and that's what but it this is. is but this is, um, you know, and we're going to have some guests on in, in the not so distant future here. I think, Marty, you got one of your guys coming on regular guys. I mean, who's the guy that's 59 that just started and he's making phenomenal gains, you know, training once a week? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Who, who's this? one of my guys? I yeah, one of your guys. We're having him on pretty soon. 
I think. Uh, oh, Carl, he's in New York. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what's yeah. yeah, he's a New York guy. Yeah, uh, we get him on. We got Corey. I think Corey. I've been working with him. I think for six months. We're about ready to take him. I think he's going to enter the April meet. So he goes from no real weight training to entering power competitions in mm -hmm. I don't know seven months. Yeah, and uh, he's going to deadlift. I don't know, 425 to 450, weighing 180. Nice. And nice. he's how old? Corey, he's a college professor. I think he's 41 or 42. Okay. Yeah. That's good, man. When he, de when he deadlifts those weights in competition, it's going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, I benched uh, 220 for what, eight. And now when did he start with you? Uh, seven months. Six months, six months ago, but we're going to take him into a competition. And well, if he if he can swing the time, we'll talk to him about it. But yeah, this is typical. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of my people we take them into the competition because or oh, we got uh, Jason. We're taking him into a comp the comp first competition. Let me tell you, when I told him, I said um, he's he's one of the guys that trains with us every week at the garage. I guess he's been with us for best part of a year. So. Uh, to a couple Sundays ago, uh, I walked in. I said, yeah, I said, uh, you're ready. He goes, uh, what do you mean, coach? I said, oh, you're going in your first competition in April. Man, he stood bolt upright. His eyes bugged out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He was like, you think I'm ready? I go, yeah, man, you're ready. Yeah, man. I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell you to do it if I didn't think you were ready. Oh, he's been on cloud nine ever since, boy. We've been having personal record after personal record. Um, yeah, I bet. So he's also, he's also also real quick. I, we did the math on this. I put this in the article. Okay, so this past week we had eighteen lifters, right? Wow. And so you figure, yeah, it was pretty crowded. So you figure eighteen lifters, uh, probably five sets per exercise, four exercises overhead press squat bench deadlift so if you do the math it comes to a total of 18 lifters we did a total of 360 sets mm. okay mm. no one missed a single rep mm -hmm. that happens quite a bit i'd say two to three to uh, one to once or twice a month that happens it is astounding if, if we miss a total of more than five cumulative reps mm. amongst a group of lifters i think it's astounding right yeah, proper plan. Have 18 18 lifters uh 360 sets guys setting personal records right and left and no one missing a single rep yeah how long What's was that, that session with how long was that well, session with all these people? They all, all last Just? the same from nine to eleven. Okay. And a lot of the guys, when they're done, they'll do arm work or they'll do some power cleans or they'll start with power cleans. If they're gonna do power cleans, they'll usually start with power cleans, then go into the front press, or maybe they'll power clean their their overhead presses, right? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the guys like to do arms, so they'll do you know three or four sets of biceps and triceps, and you know, or not. You know, but the, the core four, the that's the meat and potatoes. Everything else is dessert. I got to get over there and train with you guys. I would yeah, love that. You're not coming out there. 
You're in Texas. I come out there. You got to work. Don't you guys barbecue after? Yeah, 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 yeah. We sure do. Oh, I get, oh I you can bring your chicken breast, JP. <laughs> and your My chicken breast? Remember the joke? Some tri tip. Uh, I'll, I, I, I'll, I, give, I love tri tip. When, when uh, Crazy Matt gifted me the green egg smoker, I gifted the gym my smoker. So now they I have t- a kick ass smoker. So I torture the guys by smoking ribs while they're training. How many how many racks does Donald Blakeberry have? Right now, two. Kirk took his back, so we had three. Uh, so we have to do it if it's a, if it's crowded. We'll do it in stages. In other words, we'll you know some guys will bench while others squat. Well, they'll show up early. We'll have the first okay. group show up like at eight. Okay. And and they'll get through their squats and benches, and then here comes the second wave in at nine. Yeah. Right. And so that that's how we work it in this crowd. When we have three racks, it's not not so bad. Because yeah. you can have five people, rack, per, yeah. five people and, per rack. So 15 people off three stations. I think Iron Company should donate a rack to the pole barn. Well, I know they got that Kirk bar over there, that uh, limited oh, yeah, edition that's, Kirk that's bar. That's the best. That's oh, the best. You know, you know, I got to say this. You know what they're making these guys do now? This huh. is so ridiculous. There's a certain federation out there that is making these guys use these extra long bars. Deadlift bar. And no, the squat and the bench press. They have these really? gigantic. Yes, that they are forcing them to use in both the squat and Why? now Why? the bench press. Yeah, oh, some, what's it for? Some money's changing hands here, brother. Uh, oh, you know those those big bars that they're using because the guys are squatting twelve hundred. You know. 15 inches high but you know they're squatting 1200 with the monoliths and the suits so now they're they're in, they're forcing these local level lifters who are handling what 200 pounds in the bench press now they've got a handle jp how uh what are they extra like <coughs> seven and a half feet instead of a disadvantage no they're seven oh, they're seven terrible. feet and they're 45 pounds but um no, these are extra long, buddy. The deadlift bars these are, are longer. longer than the ones I haven't that we seen have. that. Now, now is that just oh, used yeah. on squat or deadlift too? Because the squat, no, we know I'm why. Tell you, squat and it, well, we don't need it on the squat. We don't need it on the squat. We don't need it on the bench press. They're using mm-hmm. it on the squat and the bench press. That would be a disadvantage a, having a longer bar. Of course, bar of course, of course. It's 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 yeah, it's terrible, JP. It's how like about the whipping? The whipping on that. The, the only it's time like, I saw this was remember when Gillingham did the deadlift? I think it was at uh, what was it at the the Arnold or something? And uh, they put the Hummer tires on it. And our friends at Ivanko, they made these special bars that were extra long. I don't know. They were probably like 20 feet long or something, but they put, they affixed Hummer tires. I think Gillingham had three Hummer tires on each side, deadlifted that. I think the all time, I forget who did it, but I think they had four Hummer tires on the, on the side. And, but you should have seen the flex in that thing. I think it went up about two feet before anything uh, came off the ground. So about about 20 years ago, though, they introduced those deadlift bars. You're not familiar with them, JP? It's a longer bar. And so the weights don't have to leave the floor as far. You know, it's got some flex in it, too. Well, the thing is. But they're not in the IPF, not in the USAPL, not in the IPF or the USPA. Every everything you know, everything's getting so scientific and metallurgy and and all this other stuff. You know, they got different tensile strengths and levels of whip. And yeah, you know, we talk about it all the time too. You you see now these bars have have so much whip. 
you get, you pull about, I don't know, it's probably about five inches. The, the bar is up and then, but the blade, the weights still haven't left the ground yet. <laughs> so finally the weights leave the ground and um, you know, but by that time your, your range of motion is, is cut off a, a little bit because of the, the amount of whip and bend in that bar. So I don't know. It's like, I don't get the whole bench and bench and squat with them. It's some, some I man, saw something the other day. Lifter, right, Marty? That's dangerous to the lifter. With Money that extra changing hands. Yeah. Okay. Somebody's getting paid off to use these bars that have no relevancy. And I'm telling you, I'll tell you one more time. They're extra long. They're used now. They're they're you have to use them in the squat, in the bench press. And they're not the whippy deadlift bars. I know all about the whippy deadlift bars. This is squat and bench press, and they are extra, extra length. <laughs> and these guys, Don Barry, went to the trouble to buy them because they were throwing our lifters off so much because they're now you've got the fulcrum. You've just, you've just made the lever longer. So yes. now the weights at the end of the fulcrum uh, oscillate. And they they whip up and down, and it was throwing our lifters off so much they were losing poundage when they went from their regular seven foot bar like everybody else in the world. Oh, but now the USAPL legislates you have to use these extra length bars, and we're like, why in the world for? But again, somebody's no. making money somehow, way, shape, or form. And so anyway, that's a wrap. We don't really. Know I don't know. It's too awkward. Effort. Can you? Can can yeah. you say anything about the can can you talk about the the bench shirt? Hmm. I just saw today that somebody else beat the record that was set last week. I think somebody last week did one thousand one hundred and twenty-five. This week somebody <laughs> did one thousand one hundred and twenty-nine. Yeah. Well, can you say anything about the history of the bench shirt? Well, I was once asked they were going to induct the first fellow who benched a thousand into the hall of fame and they asked me what i thought about it and i said i felt that they should induct the bench shirt <laughs> <All right. laughs> Dude. and I, mean, I still I feel that way hey. okay i say all credit goes to these shirts uh because when these boys take these shirts off they their poundages fall 50 percent or more so yeah. it'd be like again well you put date. on a pair you put on a pair of shoes you go down to nike you buy shoes that will make you run two seconds faster right so in the in the 100 meter so an av a good high school sprinter 11 11 flat 100 meter sprinter guy right jim yeah yeah nothing special so yeah. now he puts his shoes on, he runs nine. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> right? That so, shoe would be that shoe would be banned so fast. All right. Your so listen. Spin. My question is, all right, I know that a lot of people are in the into the bench shirts. And look, I've never done a powerlifting competition, whatever, but I tend to think that. Without the bench shirt, you're you're it's it's every man for himself. I mean, you're you're actually competing against true strength. You put a shirt on, who wins that competition? The strongest guy or the guy that had the most money for the best shirt? 
I mean, it's just the 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 way they've changed. I mean, I think it started off with like an extra tight T-shirt, and then it, the the first ones they didn't have open backs, and nobody had figured out that the shirt should have your chest should almost be open all the way to get that leverage around your armpits. And you know, man, some of those shirts you could just slip over. It was like a tight Under Armour is now, <laughs> but it's just it, it, yeah. now it's just not even part of the sport. It's just a whole different sport. It just might as well just say whatever name it something else i think marty said one time he said what's next magnets (laughs) well (laughs) kirk was telling us that you know the you know how stiff they're making the current knee wraps yeah they're making the knee wraps with such uh, uh, i think you called it tensile strength jp yeah, tensile strength. Compared to <laughs> compared to what we had when when I was when when I was powerlifting, we we were doing when Cassidy was powerlifting, they were using ace bandages. Yes, I was going to say yeah. When I was powerlifting, then George Zangus in the marathon, and, and they started getting uh, you know we thought they were good knee wraps. Yellow stripe. These ones that these yeah. ones that they're using today are unbelievably dense and. Thick. And so what Kirk was telling elastic, us last, elastic. last weekend mm-hmm. was that they're in the bench shirts. One of the latest tricks is they're taking and cutting snippets of knee wraps and to the underside of the shirt. So you can't yes. see it. They sew on these snippets of um, knee wrap to help when the weight is at the chest and the, everything is at the stretchy point these knee wraps that are sewn into the shirt sleeve help you rebound out yeah it's just like doing a, a something else it's not even i'm getting to be purist man you know maybe a belt maybe not you know i mean and and it takes a lot of the older lifters out of the sport but it just here's, ridiculous. Here, here's what fascinated me about the uh, the bench shirt, and I think Marty, you were saying this. If a guy pulls off, you know, um, a guy has a shirt on, he's on the bench, and he, you know, unracks the the barbell, and he's got any less than two twenty five, he can't bring the bar down to his chest. Is that right? Because there's 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 so much tension. Two twenty five, seven hundred. <laughs> it takes seven hundred to get. The bar to your they chest? Can't, they can't. They can't. The shirts are so restrictive, and this is in the old days. This is when I used to go to powerlifting meets in the ninety. Back then, the big rushes. They were going to. Somebody was trying to get to eight hundred. No one had got to eight hundred, so they were all in the seven hundreds and the seven forties, and they were going to push to eight hundred, right? But the big problem that they had was the shirts were so restrictive. Now you've got seven hundred and 40 pounds on the bar, right? You, you, they take it out of the rack, they hand it to you. You pull down on that 740 with all your might. You're pulling down. You're pulling down. And you can't get it down far enough to touch the chest. And because of that, they can't give you the start signal. So you have to detune. You have to go. You either have to. What they'll do typically is they'll jump the weight. Oh, the 740 wasn't enough. So they'll jump to 780. Now, will that be enough that if I pull down on the 780 with all my might, can I get it to touch my chest? I got it to touch my chest. Press, boom, all that coiled energy. And they all push it to about three-quarter lockout and just kind of hold it there. 
because they can't lock their elbows out all the way. It's too heavy. Now, the question is, when that guy is asked when he's at the bar later on that evening, uh, hey, hey, buddy, what do you bench? What's he say? What do you think? 800? <laughs> of course. Whoa! That's crazy. Why? No, no, that's crazy. Because yeah. he did it. He did it. He did it in competition. He's a world champion. Yeah. I told you that story. I was talking on the phone to this powerlifting coach, and uh, his guys he coached all wore the canvas suits. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. he, he said, what's your squat? And I said, 820. And he said, man, you wear one of our suits, you can do 1,000. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I don't want to do it like that, man. <laughs> you know, we all just wore the marathon suits with the uh, gold line wraps uh, or something very similar. Uh, not the Chuck stuff that's made out of Chuck Taylor uh, canvas, you know. Well, yeah. let me tell you, if, if, if we could go back in time, the one thing we should have done is never allowed any of that stuff to get a toehold to begin with because it was like cancer. I know, because then the equipment people were yep. running the whole show and they were making the money. Well, you know, they were funny and they, they were made. yeah, they were they were throwing their money around and they wanted to keep the shirt in and they wanted to keep the gear in and they wanted to sell more wraps and they wanted to sell more stuff. And so and we developed a relationship with that because we had there was no other we didn't have like a big TV contract yeah. in lifting, you know, that, that most sports, they, they, they have other, or they, you know, we, most sports can fill a 5,000 seat hall, even if it's a swimming championships, right? Right. Powerlifting can't fill. Well, it can now because of the raw. And that's the thing, the whole thing about shirted lifting and geared lifting, it, it's a bit of a joke because no one's doing it other than a, a freaky few. It's, there's no, there's no mass of geared lifters out right. there. They run, they run a meet, and you know, twenty five guys show up. Right, exactly. Uh, the the raw federation. I think Eddie Cone told me. Didn't he tell? Was you guys with me? Maybe not. I think he told me that he went to the raw meet, and they had a thousand lifters. Yeah, all bunch of platforms all at once. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know. When you when you show somebody like when a video that, that, somebody, that means something, right, Jim? Yeah. yeah. When, when that meet, when the meet were a thousand yes. lifters show up. And there are some good lifters. Now you've out won there, something, right? There now some you've really lifters. won something. Go ahead. I'm and, sorry. No, I was well, I forgot what I was saying because then I started thinking about well, if that really means something. Jim, I, well, Jim, along those lines, I was gonna ask you. So the guy that uh, had the suit company and said, uh, you know, you go up to a thousand pounds, had you done that, would that mean anything to you? No, that's why I didn't, that's why I- Nothing, I, right? So ironic, yeah, uh, that, that they think that that's real strength, but it's just a different, it becomes, it should be a different name. It should be a different name, just uh, exhibition- No, no, Kirk had it, Kirk had it, Kirk had it. You, know, you know what he called it? What? Strength entertainment. There you go. And what's wrong with that? It's just the difference between real wrestling and pro wrestling or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's still hard, you know? It's just like a whole different sport. It's just yeah. a you, well, it's like these, do you see any of these European deadlift competitions where these guys are hitching the bar and wearing straps yeah. and they have yeah. these bendy bars and they got this guy and he's 
bouncing a thousand pounds up his thighs and a world record the greatest no, 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 deadlift no. ever lift and i said well take your straps <laughs> off oh the straps a regular bar use a regular bar and let's see what you got and you know what the answer is the guy couldn't do 800 because he couldn't hang on to it he's got no grip and they allow them to hitch these things and that yeah, bar they should just call oh that, they pull that bar strength entertainment knees. Exactly, it's a strength entertainment. So it's great. Whatever. You know, uh, thing. There's always a uh, there's always a certain amount of people that will pay to see you know what's going on at the circus. But that's what I did a circus. I did a USPF meet. I had been doing a bunch of geared meets, and then I did a USPF meet, and I was like, I'm just wearing a singlet. It was the most yeah. freeing feeling. I wore a yeah, belt on the. I wore a belt on the deadlift, but I, I didn't wear anything. I didn't wear a belt on the squat or the bench, of course, but uh, just a little red Inzer singlet. That's what I wore. And everybody was cranking their knees. And <laughs> I was like, it was the greatest I went, feeling. I went to Australia and won the IPF World Masters Championships I, with a backpack. That's all I had. That's all you wore all was the singlet? <laughs> I had a singlet. I had wrestling shoes, which I wore on the trip, and I borrowed a belt when I was at the meet. And I bet you felt great. <laughs> I bet you felt great. I won. I won. I was the world champion. Yeah, damn right. Isn't that great? And we talk about it all the time. You know, the records that you guys broke back in the day, we're not all that much stronger today. And now we have the whippy bars. We have the you know, we have all this technology and stuff. I mean, but you, you guys were the real deal back then. It was, it was pure. Well, you we bore the weight. You bore the weight. Yep. These raw guys are doing it. They're doing yeah. great. There's some love these raw guys. Raw and they're, man. and they're making them, they're making them squat low and they're making yep. them lock their deadlifts out. And, yep. Yep. Uh, they're doing clean lifts. Somebody, somebody tell me that they, anyway, well, we don't want to get too far down the yeah. power. Yeah, no, but there are some super strong. And you know what it shows you? That you don't need all that stuff. You know, these guys sure. are strong and you don't need all that stuff, man. Um, well, just, and also the geared lifting is synonymous with, with intense performance enhancing role yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. You can't say one without the other because uh, they're huge advocates of that <laughs> well i mean they'd be the first ones to tell you you mean the, yeah those non-drug tested ones too yeah i don't have no they don't have any drug tested geared meats what are you talking about but does the usapl still have a geared uh i don't think so buddy Do yeah. they? i don't know I don't know. They do. I guess they would be tested, but I mean, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 No one but, cares yeah. about gear. No one cares about geared lifting. All right. Oh, I know what I, my point before was when you show somebody like a video of somebody wearing a bench shirt or they see, you can get away with the suit. Cause it looks like a singlet, the wraps that, that people are like, okay, well that's all right. But when you show somebody with their arms sticking out and they can't put them down, everybody goes, what's that all about? Like, like Ralphie from Christmas story. And then you're like, yeah, his brother, his brother. It was Ralphie's little brother. Yeah. Um, and he's, and they say, uh, you mean the shirt helps? You know what I mean? They can't understand it. They're like, oh, so it's legalized cheating. And it looks really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, you know, a lot of people said that was why the, 
powerlifting couldn't get in the Olympics, you know. But I don't see why raw. Why would they put powerlifting in the Olympics? Oh, I think raw powerlifting would be great in the Olympics, man. Yeah, well, you're 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 wrong. They want skateboarding and ballroom dancing. They don't want your damn powerlifting. Well, right? they don't even want the weightlifting anymore. No, they don't want the weightlifting. They don't want any. They call them at-risk sports. So it's like. Yeah. Kick out weightlifting, kick out shot putting, kick out discus, any sport that performance enhancing drugs help, just get yeah. rid of it. Except if it's track and field and it's really popular. Yeah. Right. That's different. But wrestling, get rid of that. Anything, just, just you know, and, and it doesn't mean anything. The Olympics are just another inter- infomercial entertainment yep. show anymore. This is no clash of civilizations like we had back in the 60s. Yeah. Oh my God! They were—they shut down the damn country <clears throat> during the Olympics in July. You know, back in the '60s. You know, going against the Soviet Union. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yep. Sure um, now, nowadays, it's—it's it's, it's a joke. Right? You mean breakdancing doesn't fire you up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, you know, along yeah. with the way the world has gone crazy, if you were told somebody in nineteen. 19- 60 was that in tokyo or rome that they're oh, yeah, gonna man. add break dancing and yeah. you know dancing in the water and you know that's, <laughs> they would have said you're crazy but there's a lot of stuff you say that about yeah. Uh, yeah, well we yeah. we did have a podcast on that one time and there's a lot of stuff that they've tried for one of the olympics or two and then just disappeared one of them was I forget what they call it, but it's where they're on the edge of the pool and then they shoot themselves off and they have their hands by their, their sides and they see how far they can glide. Hell, man, my 10-year-old does that. <laughs> I, I'm thinking I could do that. <laughs> I'd probably sink. I'd, I'd, get, uh, I'd get rug burns on my stomach from hitting right the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, listen. This was this was great as usual. Look where this went. It's like uh, everybody says, "Well, JP, you're like herding cats over there." It's like, yeah, that's my job. You know, we're all over the place sometimes. But I'll tell you what, it is good conversation. I always love hearing these musings. You know, especially from Marty. He's such a a pioneer, I guess, in uh, powerlifting and and weightlifting and all that it's great to hear all this uh, that's information mr. that's why they call me mr wonderful right jim you are that's right you are that's i've right. been saying that for years thank you Jimmy. that's right yeah all right listen if you enjoy our podcast please share the link and give us a review uh we always appreciate that you can also check out marty's weekly column raw with marty gallagher at ironcompany.com You can find his latest article, Minimal Dose Resistance Training, Abstract Impressions. Uh, We just put that up, so check that out. And then you can also visit him at Instagram, at the Marty Gallagher. And then um, he and his wife, Stacy, have a a site called functionalstrength.org. It's functional-strength.org with uh you know training and all kinds of stuff on there i think you guys go into archival repository yeah yeah archival repository okay well that's that's a good one i like that all those those thousands of articles that you showed me yeah now if you were to say you would have said archival suppository all right now 
<laughs> repository. That, right. that is another great T-shirt for you, Marty. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm I'm on it right away. I'm going to send it out uh, in a couple of days. You'll have it. For all your gym equipment and flooring needs, please visit ironcompany.com. You know, Iron Company was one of the very first online companies to to provide uh, uh, gym equipment solutions for retail, commercial, and our U.S. military since 97. Actually, I put the site up 1996. We were one of the only ones online selling gym equipment. So we've been around there for a long time. If you need any help putting together garage gym packages, commercial gym, uh, you need a new supplier for your military base, just give us a call. We'd love to work with you. Uh, new gym steel articles can be found on our articles section at Iron Company. Just go up to the top and uh, click on there. And uh, his latest article, and it's a real good one. Everybody should check it out. It's called Strategies for Sticking to Your Fitness Goals. Um, that's up now. It's a good one. Uh, you can also check out his website, Boss Barbell. That's B-A-S Barbell.com for training, motivation, programs, all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. R real quick. There's somebody out there listening to this is, that's debating whether to compete in powerlifting. Go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and sign up and do it. You're listening to this and you're like, oh, those guys really sound like they, you know, they really think the competing stuff is great. Yeah. Just go ahead and send in your money and do it. It's a challenge that'll change your life. Yeah. And let me give you this final word of encouragement. Yeah. No one cares. And no one cares. <laughs> well, I think that's great advice. All right. All right, guys. Until okay. next time. Okay. All right. Bye. Later.